really glad you're here today. We're, um, we're continuing with a series on marriage that we started last week. And uh, last week, if you weren't here, uh, I hope you go and listen to it on the podcast uh, because it it's, it's, just kind of sets up what we're going to talk about for the rest of the month. But just to recap, we, we talked about the fact that, that marriage, if it's marriage that's really the best kind of marriage, the way God intended it, should be built on friendship. And that you should be friends with your husband or friends with your wife. And, and that's really the best way to, to start a marriage. And, and one of the things we talked about at the end of the message last week is we got into a little bit of talking about how men and women are just different. And, and, and we really are. If, if you haven't figured that out yet, uh, you're either brain dead or you're just really young because we're very, very different creatures. We think differently. We act differently. We talk about things differently. We deal with our emotions differently. And we're just very different. I, I was raised in a home with a younger sister, two years younger than me. So I learned this maybe earlier than, than some guys do. If you were, if you were raised with a bunch of brothers, you, it might have taken you a while to figure out that men and women are different. I learned it early. I, I was trying to think as I was getting ready for this message, I think the first time I can really remember knowing that, wow, uh, girls are really different than us. I was really young, and I'd have to ask my, my parents how old I was when this happened, but my sister and I, we have parents still live in the same house, three-bedroom house. I had a room, she had a room, my parents had a room, and, uh, and we had these two rooms, and at some point, we changed my room from where it was to the other room, and me and my sister switched rooms. And that's the way it stayed till the end of time. And, and, uh, and the reason why I was was because my sister got a new bed, which was a canopy bed. And I was real little, and I remember seeing this thing come in the house, and they set it up, and it had frills and flowers on it, and it had a cover on it. And I remember thinking, what is going on here? Why and it just knowing, just realizing at that moment, I was probably very young, maybe five years old, maybe six, realizing very young, this is weird. This is just different. Uh, I, I don't want this in my room. And, and, and so understanding from a very early age that, that, that men and women are different. And, and I believe uh, that, that, that God has designed men and women to be different. And so we're going to talk today. I want to talk just to our men today. Ladies, you need to listen too. But uh, if where's my brothers out there, my, my guys that are men that are married or want to be married one day? Raise your fist up in the air. Let's see it. All right, good. Or give the four horsemen signal from Ric Flair or whatever. Either one's good. And, uh, and so, so we are, we, I want to talk to men. And today I want to talk to us men about how to be real husbands I want to talk about real husbands. What does it look like to be a real husband? What is, what is that all about? And, and ladies, just want to let you know something. You're, I'm coming at you next week, so get ready. And, and so don't lay out next week. Don't, don't sit here today and be like elbowing your husband. Yeah, he's right. You need to be doing that. And then next week be like, oh, I'm feeling a little bad. I don't think I can make it to church today. If you're here today, you better be back next week, ladies. All right, It's only fair for you to be back next week to hear what I have to say. But I, I really do believe that, that God designed men to be men and women to be women. And because I talked about this a little bit last week, but if you've been to a marriage retreat before or you've read a book on marriage before and you're a man, maybe right now you're getting a little scared, you're getting a little apprehensive because you're thinking, man, Cliff's about to just blame all the problems in the marriage on me. And I've talked to so many different men who've been to marriage retreats, who've read books on marriage, who've listened to sermons on marriage, and they feel like that what we do as pastors is we stand up and say, listen, men, if you were just more feminine, if you really were more in touch with your emotions and you were less of a slob, then the marriage would be better and it's all your fault. And I'm not going to do that today because I don't believe that. 
And here, here's, what I, here's what I think of, happens with that is that you go on that marriage retreat and you hear that and then you come home and you feel like that you have to eat seven days worth of beef jerky and listen to nothing but ACDC for the next week just to get your testosterone level back up to where it used to be before. And I don't want that to be the case today. I want you to walk out of here today feeling like, okay, God's designed me to do a certain thing. God's designed me to play a certain role in this marriage and I want to do that the absolute best that I can because I really believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so I want you to look, if you've got your Bibles, open to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament, and uh, it's after you've got the Gospels at first, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you've got some longer books like Romans and First and Second Corinthians, and then you've got Galatians and Ephesians right in there. So find that. You can look in your, uh, if you've got your Bible and you're not familiar with it, look in the uh, front at the index. That's no problem. Nobody's going to think you're bad for doing that. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24 is what I'm going to start with. The Apostle Paul wrote this, and it says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, before I go any further, I understand that right now, that when I read those verses, there are two things going on. Right now, there are women exactly while I'm reading that saying, I ain't got to submit to nobody. I, nobody's my head. I'm my own woman. And you get all defensive about that. And then there's men at the same time who are saying, dang right, I'm the head and that woman better do what I said. <laughs> That's what, that, that, these verses of Scripture, there, man, listen, there are, some, <clears throat> there are some verses in Scripture that seem to create controversy. I don't know if there's any more than these. And what's happened is, is that, that we take those and we get, we get a hold of them and we just get all emotional, men and women. We get all emotional about that. And I, let's try to put that to the side and really figure out what is, what is Paul telling us here about, about being a husband and being a wife. Let, let me ask you a question. If a, if a company fails, let's say there's a company and it starts and, and it goes bankrupt and the, sh the stockholders lose their shirts and all that kind of stuff, when that happens, who takes the blame for that? The CEO, right? If, if, a, if a team fails, a, a, a Major League Baseball team or a football team or a, a basketball team, if the team fails, who's going to get fired? The star player? No, the coach. The coach takes the blame for that. If, if a if an army fails, if there's a, there's a battle and an army fails, who's going to take the blame for that? It's going to be the highest commanding officer that was in charge of that invasion that's going to take the blame for that. What, what I want you to understand today is that what Paul teaches us here in Scripture and what, is, what you find throughout Scripture is that the man is the head of the wife, the man is the head of marriage, and, it, and he has to take responsibility. See, th that, that idea... This, Paul didn't make this idea up. It wasn't like he created that one day and said, hey, I think that's a good way to work it. That was from the very beginning. If you look back in the book of Genesis, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is the story in the Scripture where sin entered the world. Now, who sinned first? Guys, I know you know the answer to this. Don't be afraid to say it out loud. Who sinned first, guys? Eve, the lady did. And the ladies are like, oh, you're already jumping on us and it's not even our week, Cliff. It's supposed to be next week when you jump on us. Well, it's just, it's just what the story goes. The lady sinned first. Now, the guy, he jumped right in right after her, so it's his fault too. But 
the lady sinned first, but who did God come and call out after the sin happened? If you read it, it says God came and He called Adam. From the very beginning, God has established marriage where the man and the woman work together, but the man is the head. And I'm sorry if that just, you know, just wears you out and gets all over you. But I think one of the things that, one of the reasons we have a problem with that is, is because we tend to think of marriage as a contract. We, we think of, I mean, it, you even have paperwork you sign. Remember when you got married and you, the, the pastor came to you and said, okay, I need you to sign these three copies and I'm going to mail these off and then you're officially going to be married. So you even have paperwork you sign like a contract. But we think of marriage as a contract. And what contracts, the deal with contracts are is that maybe you've had some, some bad experience of contracts. If you're in business, maybe you had a contract and it had loopholes. Or the, one of the things about contracts that seems to be true is that Contracts all the time seem to be geared to benefit one party more than the other. But I want you to know today that, that, that marriage is not a contract. In fact, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. And we're going to talk a little bit about what a covenant is. One of the, one of the worst examples or the, or the most blatant examples of how we in, in the world today view marriage as a contract is, is the prenuptial agreement. Think about the prenuptial agreement. You are saying... I want to enter a contract with you. I want to arrange our divorce before we're ever married. What a terrible way to start a marriage. Is you're just saying, I'm pretty sure this thing's going to fail. And when it does, I want to be sure that we've got all our stuff together so when it falls apart. And so that's, one, that's probably the biggest example of how we view marriage as a contract. But marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. You see the idea of covenant all through Scripture. You go all the way back to Genesis again, and, and after Adam and Eve and after Noah, there was a man named Abraham, and Abraham and his wife Sarah, and, and uh, they, they couldn't have babies, and then, then God gave them a baby in their old age, and, and that led all the way up to Jesus. And God created a covenant between he and Abraham in the book of Genesis. And, and God was the head of that covenant, but the covenant was for Abraham's good. And so... Then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus, the night before he was crucified, he gets all of his followers together, and they have dinner, and he, and he has bread, and he has wine, and he holds up the glass of wine, and he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. There was this old covenant that God created with Abraham a long time ago. Now I am going to be crucified, and I'm going to create a new covenant, and now Jesus is the head of the new covenant, and guess who the new covenant was for their good? It was for our good. All of us who are in relationship with Jesus is for our good. So God created a covenant with Abraham that was for Abraham's good. God was the head of that covenant. Jesus created a covenant for us, which was for our good. Jesus is the head of that covenant. And what Ephesians 5.23 says, look at it one more time. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Christ is the head of the covenant and the husband is the head of the wife. Husband's not the dictator of the wife. The wife is not subject to the husband. She's not his slave. But the husband is the head of the wife the way Christ is the head of the church. So the, Christ, so the way Christ is head of the church is he says, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will never leave you or forsake you. And I will take care of you. And the marriage covenant, the man says, I will be your husband. You will be my wife. I will never leave you or forsake you, and I will take care of you. See, there's this, this, this 
problem we have with the scripture, but if we really look at it, there should never be a problem with it because it's talking about how our relationship with our wives should be like Christ's relationship with the church. In fact, a man's relationship with his wife should mimic Christ's relationship with the church. That, that should be our example. Men, as we, as we deal with being a husband, as we, as we deal with, with taking care of the family and, and being the head of this covenant, we should do it in the way that Jesus treats us. See, when, when, you, when you have a contract, the reason, the reason this gets so messed up, I think, is when you have a contract, you try to negotiate terms that benefit you. Nobody's ever entered into a contract and thought, I'm going to try to give away as much of this stuff to the other guy as possible. You're, you're fighting and you're clawing to try to get as much for you as you can. But the difference between a contract and a covenant, in the marriage covenant, men, we give ourselves to our wives for their well-being. In fact, if we're going to mimic Jesus' relationship with the church, what did Jesus say about himself? Well, in the book of Mark, Jesus said this, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many. If we really want to mimic Christ's relationship with the church, men, if we want to be real husbands, then we have to serve our wives. We have to put their needs first. We have to lead in that way. Look at the rest of Ephesians 5 after after verse 24. This is where... I think if, if ladies that get all bent out of shape out of wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, ask the Lord, the husband's the head of the wife. I think if they read on from 25 on down to 33, I think they would chill out a little bit because look at what this means. Look at, look at what it means for the husband to, to be the head of the covenant as Christ is head of the church. It says this, husbands, love your wives. Ladies, don't you want that? Isn't that what you're saying all the time? Love me. Husbands. Hey, and guys, if they're saying that, do it, all right? Don't miss that opportunity. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What do you, when you watch a movie, or you, what it, if they have a man that sacrifices for his, for his woman, gives up his life, that's like one of the greatest stories of all time. That, that wasn't an original idea that came up in Hollywood. That Jesus did that. For the church. And what Paul says is just as Jesus laid down his life for the church, men, us as husbands, we need to be willing to lay down our very lives for our wives. Lives for wives. That would make a good rap song right there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Guys, we're supposed to help our wives be the best follower of Jesus that they can be. We're supposed to be the spiritual leader. It says Christ gave himself up so that the church could be cleansed. We're supposed to sacrifice ourselves for our wives so that they can be more like Jesus, that we can lead them spiritually. And then it says in verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Men, there's a, there's a whole bunch of meaning in those verses that talks about we're supposed to take care of our wives. 
And just as, just as we would not let, let ourselves die of some kind of illness without doing something about it, we're not supposed to let our marriage die of some kind of illness without doing something about it. We're supposed to care for our wives just as we care for ourselves. As we would nourish ourselves, we should nourish our wives. We should give them what they need emotionally and spiritually and be there for them. And then verse 31, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Remember I told you a while ago that Paul didn't create this idea on his own? He's quoting Genesis there. He's quoting all the way back to the very first marriage. And then verse 32, This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. We've got a command there, guys, that Jesus didn't say, you can love her when she's acting like you want her to. You can love her when you think you're going to get lucky tonight. I can't believe nobody, they'll just like, okay, he's talking about sex. Hey, listen, (laughs) two weeks from now, the whole message is going to be about sex, so get ready, all right? It, It doesn't say that you can love her when she's acting nice to you it says that we must love our wives all the time that we're supposed to sacrifice for them when things are good and when things are difficult and and if if you haven't been married very long it's going to get difficult if you've been married a long time you know that you've been through some of those times some of you have survived it some of you it got to a difficult time and you just gave up on it and you bailed out But marriage has good days and it has bad days, and through all of it, Christ has given us as a a command as men that we must love our wives. See, when we do this the right way, when man is, is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, women are never abused. Women are never put down. Women are protected. If we do it the way Christ did. See, there's, a, there's an idea that kind of runs through this whole, this whole Scripture, and it's about taking responsibility. And I want you to know today that, that I believe a real husband takes responsibility for his wife and children. A real husband takes responsibility for his wife and children. There are, <clears throat> there are guys that think that being a real man means being able to beat people up and drink a lot of beer and burp louder than anybody else. That might make you fun to hang around with. But if you drink a lot of beer and beat people up and burp louder than anybody else and don't take responsibility for your wife, you're not a real man. See, I I think you're a real man if you drive a truck and shoot guns and love football. But if you drive a truck, shoot guns and love football and beat your wife, you're not a real man. If you drive a smart car and watch The Bachelor, and listen to Justin Bieber, I don't think you're a real man. But let me tell you something. If you drive a smart car, watch The Bachelor, and listen to Justin Bieber, and take responsibility for your wife, you're a real man. That's what being a real man is all about. It's about taking responsibility for your wife. It's it's about taking responsibility for your children. And, And we're supposed to mimic Jesus in our relationship with our wives. And what did Jesus do? Jesus took responsibility for sin that he never committed. Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years, never committed a sin. 
And that yet he went and died on a cross for the sin that I commit and that you commit. He died on a cross for the sin I'm going to commit next week and the sin I'm going to commit next year and the sin that you're going to commit next week and next year. He took responsibility for sin that wasn't his. And sometimes, men, we've got, we need to remember that because I think we think, well, she's doing her thing and I'm doing my thing and I'm not responsible for that. No, men, we're responsible for what goes on in our household. We're responsible to lead. Now, ladies, I'm going to talk to you about this next week. You, sometimes you need to make this easier on us. Sometimes there's some of you out there, you need to let him lead. You need to let him be the head. You need to let him do what Jesus did for the church. But men, we've got to step up and we've got to do that. And, and maybe you're saying, hey Cliff, uh, i got a really difficult wife. And I know some of you do. I know some ladies in this church. I know some of y'all got some difficult wives. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, not really. Some of y'all are difficult, but I won't tell you who. But maybe you're saying, Cliff, Cliff, I got a really difficult wife. She's hard to deal with. What are we mimicking? We're mimicking Christ's relationship with the church. Jesus' wife is way more difficult to deal with than our wives are. Those of you that have been in church your whole life, you know what church people are like. You know what we do. Jesus has a lot tougher time dealing with us than we'll have dealing with our one wife that might be hard to deal with. So, men, we need, to be, we need to be real husbands. We need to take responsibility for our wives. We need to be sure that Jesus is our example. Now, now last week, one of the things I mentioned was is that we have a tendency in marriage to imitate what we've seen. And uh, so you grew up in a household. You grew up in a marriage, whether the parents were together or not together, but there was some, something about a marriage or a relationship there, even if your parents were never married. And, and we tend to, to mimic what we've seen, and, 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 or, or we go so far the other way, it's like I'm never going to be like that. We go so far the other direction that that's unhealthy as well. And men, if we're supposed to mimic Jesus and how he treated the church, some of you are going to have to kind of deprogram yourself based on what you grew up in. Because some of you grew up in a home with a, with a domineering husband. You grew up in a home with a, with a man who dealt with his wife in such a way that she never could express her opinion. And if she did, and she did it too often, she might get the back of the hand. Some of you grew up in a home with, with maybe not a, a domineering husband, but just an absent husband. Husband. He bailed out when you were a kid, or, or maybe even before you were born, or even he was there but, but he was absent because he was all the time doing his own thing. He was always at work, and every weekend he was on his boat, and, and he just never was there. Some of you grew up in a home with a, with a husband who maybe wasn't domineering or absent, but he was just disengaged. He was there, but he was just kind of letting things float. And he hated his life so much that he was numbing himself with a substance or just coming home and watching eight hours of TV and then falling asleep in the recliner and getting up the next morning and doing it again, and he had really nothing to do with your mother. And so if you grew up in any of those places, you're going to have to make a conscious effort to say, I need to mimic Jesus and how he dealt with the church and not how my dad dealt with my mother. 
And, and if we can do that, and even if you grew up in a great home, some of you were blessed with wonderful dads who were great examples. Even if you grew up in that, take, learn from the good, but, but still remember that your God is Jesus and not just your dad. And so if we can remember that Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, that's our God. That, that we're supposed to, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. That we're supposed to sacrifice for our wives. We're supposed to help our wives grow spiritually. We're supposed to love our, our wives as, as we love our own bodies. And that we're, we give up ourselves for them. So, so here's what I want us to do before next week. First of all, ladies, come back next week. That's your homework, okay? You have no homework next week except remember to get back here and sit down and get ready to, to, to learn about how awesome it is to be a wife. Guys, I've got two pieces of homework I want to give you for next week. I want you to write this down. If you, if you don't have a, a worship guide, pull out your phone, type it into your phone, whatever you need to do. Borrow paper from the person next to you. I want you to write this down, men. Married or unmarried, this is what I want you to do. Two things for next week. First one is this. I want you to read Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 twice a day for the next week, every morning and every night. Read it when you get up. Read it before you go to bed. Now, maybe you're already reading the Bible, which is awesome. I hope you are. Just add this to what you're already reading. Read Ephesians 5, 22, 33 in the morning when you get up and at night before you go to bed. I want it to be the first thing on your mind in the morning, the last thing on your mind at night. And the second thing, (coughs) excuse me, I want you to pray every day, and I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to ask God, to show you what areas you need to take responsibility in. Where do you need to take responsibility in your marriage? A real husband takes responsibility for his wife. Where do you need to take responsibility? Just ask God that. Just say, God, I'm reading Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Show me where I need to take responsibility in my marriage. And I know that he will. I know that he'll begin to show you. Ladies, don't answer that question for him, all right? There's some of you right now, you're making a list like, oh, he needs to do this and this and this. And if by Wednesday God doesn't tell him, I'm going to tell him. No, (laughs) don't do that, ladies. Let God talk to him. It'll go a whole lot better, all right? So guys, are you with me? Can you do those two things this week? Read that scripture morning and night. Pray that prayer every day. Now, as we're done here, this let me tell you, this morning I was, um, I woke up earlier than usual this morning. I'm usually up by about six on uh, Sunday mornings. I woke up at five this morning, couldn't go back to sleep. So about 5.20, I just went ahead and got up and I was sitting in, in the chair that I usually sit in in the mornings to look over my notes and I was praying and, and, and I started to feel, you know, I don't want to freak you out if you're not a spiritual person, but I, I started to feel just, just kind of this heaviness on me because because I was realizing this is really what I think and guys I want you to hear this our families are only as strong as our men our families are only as strong as our husbands and our fathers and then our church is only as strong as our families that are in this church I'm, I'm leading a, a men's life group now on Thursday mornings. And one of the things I told these guys at the beginning, and we're studying hard stuff, we're studying doctrine of 
you know, what the Bible teaches and we're getting down in the nitty gritty. The reason I, I told these guys, I said, the reason I'm doing this is I believe that for our church to be as strong as it can be is our men have to lead and our men have to know the Bible to lead and they have to know the Bible to lead their wives. They have to know the Bible to lead this church. And so that's why we're studying that. And at the end of this life group time, when it's time to do it again, I'm going to do another men's life group. And we're going to talk about some other stuff because I want to see our men be the husbands and the dads that God wants them to be. Why? Because I want you know, everybody to be happy? That's good. But no, because I think that this church, God has given us a mission in this church for this community, and we can do some amazing things, but our men have to be strong in order to do it. And I want to help you get there. I want us to do that together. And so, men, I want you to, to just take what I said today, understand that I'm on your side, that I'm not the perfect husband, I'm not the perfect father. I'm far from it. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm in there every day working, trying to be better. I'm on your side, and I want us to get stronger together and be the men God wants us to be so that this church can be the church God wants it to be and so this community can be transformed into the community God wants it to be. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for establishing marriage and, and setting it up the way you want it to be years and years ago. And God, I, I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we try to overrule what you want and try to make it into something else. God, I pray you'd forgive us as a society for trying to take men out of the role that you've given them as heads of the, of the marriage covenant. I pray that, that we would never allow that to happen in this church and in, in our lives. God, I pray for the men that are in here right now and the men who aren't here today but that will listen to this message later. And I pray that you would empower them today to be real husbands, that they would take responsibility for their wife, that they would mimic you in the way that you treat your church and that's the way they would treat their wives. God, I pray that, that you would keep, uh, keep the evil one away from these men because I know that he wants to attack this week and attack them for all the things they're going to try to do. And I pray that you would give these men strength they've never known before, that you would fill them with your spirit, and that they would lead as they have never led. And God, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen when they do that. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to be here today and help us to be the men and the husbands and the fathers that we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen.